Welcome to the Jimmy Neville Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have Billy Mandarino as my guest. Billy is a multi-talented individual who wears many hats as an author, speaker, teacher, musician, and founder of The Nowest Principles. During this episode, we will delve into the topic of developing a heightened sense of presence and learn how to cultivate awareness in the moment. We will also explore the connection between spirituality and the power of service work and fostering happiness. Additionally, we'll examine the importance of building healthy relationships and discovering one's purpose in life. I met Billy online, and I immediately felt a sense of connection with him while having this conversation. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate your efforts and your, your new podcast. I'm excited for it to come out to the world, and I'm happy to be one of your guests. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, so the first thing I want to ask you is, like, if you just want to take a few minutes to talk about, like, who you are and what you do to give give the listeners some context. Absolutely, yeah. My name is Billy Mandarino. Um, I'm the Nowist. I've written a book that came out in 2018 called The Nowist. And since then, I've had two live events. I've been all over the world giving keynote speeches and talks, uh, coaching. I've I coach high schools, middle schools. I do individual coaching. Got over 500 videos on my YouTube channel. And I continue just to be of service to this world that's caught up in stress and overwhelm and anxiety and fear. And it's my mission to teach people how to live in present moment awareness, not as a religion, Jimmy, but as a way of life. It's a practice. And to be a Nowist is someone who lives consistently in the present moment, out of all those worldly trappings of fear and anxiety and worry, and lives with your present moment awareness in intentional living out of those feelings that take us out of our presence. You know, our, our present moment awareness is the most powerful energy you have. And if we connect to it consistently, I make the claim in my book and I, in my teachings that 90% of my day, I live in present moment awareness. 10%, you know, it hits the fan, I get stressed out, things happen in the world, um, but I correct quickly. And living in that ratio really creates abundance in your life, emotionally, socially, spiritually, financially. The problem is most people live in the inversion of that ratio. They live in 10%, they'll do a, a meditation or a prayer, go to church, or have some practice, and 90% of the day they're living in stress and overwhelm and, and outcome thinking. So to be a Nowist is, is my great mission, and I'm honored to be of service to all those interested in learning how to live in this, this manner. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting statistic. Like 90% of the time you're able to be in the present moment, 10% you're not. Do you, do you find it like, um, the more you let it slip away, like the harder it is to get back into the present moment, or do you have any like specific techniques that you use? I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of those today, but like to help get into the present moment. Yes, exactly. That the, the problem is that you've heard it being called before the monkey mind, right? You're always swinging from branch to branch to the next thing, to the next outcome, to the next ambition. And I've learned that I, my motivation disappeared probably 10 years ago when I studied and practiced deep teachings and spiritual books and context that was about living out of the world, you know, and, and living in your present moment awareness. And when I did that, I realized that the key to shifting out of the physical gravity of time and the world is your habits. You have to have a consistent series of habits. You know, uh, William Wordsworth is one of my favorite poets. He says, 
Not choice, but habit rules the unreflecting herd. We're all ruled by our habits. And if you, you know, when I coach people, when I give people teachings in person or, or online, I, I do Zoom teaching as well. I always say, first thing, let's, let me look at your habits. How do you start each day? What are you doing throughout the day? Your habits rule the unreflecting herd, as Wordsworth says. And to stay in present moment awareness, it's something that can be taught. And it's like your subconscious mind takes over, where the, the present moment feels like that, that fish in the water. You feel just at home. And it feels so uncomfortable to be in stress and overwhelm that you instantly, your physiology, your mind, your, your presence feels that energy of negativity and you quickly overcome it by, oh my gosh, I'm coming back to this moment. I'm out of time, living with my imagination, focused on what it is I want. And then the breath, of course, you've heard it millions of times. The breath is the quickest way to take your physiology and get it out of this monkey mind and back into the present moment. And so I teach all these practices, but it really comes down to step one, what are your habits? How are you consistently connecting back to the present moment as a way of life, as a ritual, as a routine? And that can be taught and anybody can change their habits. Just in, it's a new choice. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about the, the breath work and a lot of different types of, of ways to go about it. Is there a specific way that you, you think works best? Well, in my book, I teach the, the one-minute meditation. It's the nowest meditation. It takes one minute. And here's a, when I speak to my, the youth of the, merit of the world, when I teach the middle schoolers how to get into presence, I have to break it down to a really simple, actionable technique. And here's the very first one I teach in the classroom or on, my, on Zoom with, uh, with a bunch of kids from 12 to 15 years old. This seems to be the sweet spot for them, having a simple takeaway. So, Jimmy, N-O-W. What is N-O-W spelled backwards? W-O-N, one. Exactly. When you're in the now, you've won. You've won your presence back. So it's simple things like that. Okay, I'm stressed out. Wait, I'm not in the now. Oh, yeah, I'll win my presence back when I start my focus, not so much on outcome and from A to B or linear time. When I get in the present moment, you have won your presence back. And that's where your energy is to make a new decision, to change you know, your thinking, to get your physiology back into a state where you're not so stressed out and tension, overwhelmed. Maybe I'll take a breath, I'll win my presence back. When you can take your focus with your breath, with your connected breath, and what's called coherence, where your thoughts and the heart are connected. Your heart rate will slow down when you can get your thoughts out of these erratic ways of thinking, these nervousy, these tension-filled moments. If we can get our breath, to just bring us back into the moment, you win your presence back. And it's simple takeaways like that that help people just trigger themselves into presence. Uh, I love that. That's that's good stuff. Um, so you were just talking about, you know, one one thing you ask everybody is about the habits. And, you know, what, what are your habits? And that's, that's one of the places you start. Um, so I've, I've thought a lot about habits. And one of the things I think about, because I'm a very, very routine-oriented person, you know, good. wake up. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I I have noticed though, at points in my life, I've become kind of a slave to my routine. So I've, I've tried to find that balance between, you know, like having a, having a routine, having those habits, but also not, you know, uh, not feeling like I'm locked into this way of living every day, you know, to actually leave some flexibility in there as well. Do you have any uh, thoughts on like how to find that balance? I'm so glad or is that I, is that balance necessary, you know? I'm so glad you brought that up, Jimmy, because most people will go to the gym. Like here it is, we just passed right New Year's and 
people, they say, I guess that 30 days after you start a New Year's resolution, you break it. There's some statistic about that where people have a hard time sticking to it. There's no stick to itiveness in them because it's just a new, it's a new routine. It's a new habit or something that becomes hackneyed or, or old and they get burnt out on it or they're just not inspired. That's why I don't believe in motivation. A motivation is fleeting. You know, inspiration is not fleeting. Inspiration comes from the source. It comes from your heart. It comes from your gut. It comes from your connected energy into what the truth is about you and about your inspiration. And your motivation comes from something higher than, you know, this physical world. That's why I believe in inspiration. And when you're inspired, it's easy to keep going. You have a big why, right? Like if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to get back in the gym, it's the new year, you want to lose 20 pounds. Like, okay, I'm going to change my eating habits. I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to work out an hour every day. People set themselves up to fail because they create these habits that aren't really actionable. They're not sustainable. That's why you have to do small things. You've heard it said a million times. There's this great book called Atomic Habits by James Cleary. You probably read it, have you? It's a great book. Remember that? What that what that book talk about? Small, easy habits. Incremental changes. So that's the problem with people when they have habits. They just try and go on the treadmill they're going to run an hour and then you know and they go lift up a ton of weights then what happens on the third day you can't even get out of bed right you're totally sore and you i know you've done that right you've gone you've, you've done a new muscle you know my daughter's an athlete and she recently was doing some intense she's a basketball player crazy leg squats like trying to get you know her jump up but she worked out these muscles that she couldn't you know function with you know before because she wasn't activating them third day she could barely play the game i think that's what we do in our habits we get in these routines that don't really serve us but it sounds cool in the moment or it's the new freshest fad or you know some new teacher comes up with this idea and this new program i'm going to go to you've got to find things that feel good to you because feeling is the secret you've got to get get focused on what feels good and what's actionable and what becomes part of your routine it's got to be simple you got to start slow People that burn out, you know, it's because they just go, 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 go. Like it's like kindling in a fire, it just burns out. And there's no energy left in it because it's just, it's just, it's just it's supposed to start you. It's not supposed to continue your process. But the problem is if you don't continue, you don't get into the subconscious mind where it can become a natural habit because 96% of everything we do is done with our subconscious mind. If you can get it into your subconscious mind, it takes 66 days though to do that. You won't maintain a habit unless you've done it for 66 days. So that's just scientific proof again about how human neurology works and human nature and how you need to integrate it into your system so it becomes natural to you. And that's when a habit becomes a way of life and that's when it gets into your subconscious mind. And then getting out of stress as a now it becomes so easy because wait, every morning I get up, um, you know, I have this routine, I have this gratitude routine, this breath work, this meditation, this physical activity that I do, you know, uh, just connecting back to the whole connection of your mind, body, and spirit. That then ingrains into your system. And it feels so foreign to not do the new habit because it just, it's, that's who I am now. Yeah, yeah. So many things about that book were jumping out at me while you were, while you were talking about that. James, the Atomic you- Habits? Yeah, 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 with James Clear, you know, like 1% better each day um, and, and make something a part of your identity by, you know, but yeah, that that's an awesome book. Um, yeah, so if you want to talk a little bit about like, is there any like notable moments in your life that made you the person you are today? Oh, yeah, I have a pretty recent one. Oh, cool. cool. Well, we've all just come through arguably the most 
stressed out, overwhelmed series of three years that the planet perhaps has ever experienced in the history of the world. COVID, the pandemic, right? I mean, can you think of another event that was sustained stress, overwhelmed fear, worry, anxiety for a longest, longer period of time? I can't think of another time in history. You probably go back, you know, 20, 200,000 years <laughs> since mankind stepped on this planet and think of another time that had, you know, that kind of collective stress with 8 billion people now on the planet. Think about that. Think about the negative impact that's had on people's psychology. You want to talk about habits, Jimmy, think about the negative habits that people have been conditioned in through the fear from the media, from your physiology. God bless those people that passed away during COVID, but COVID almost took me out of this physical body. It almost took me out of the world. Um, about three years ago, my wife turned 50. It was on her, her birthday's New Year's Eve. So we decided, uh, where I live here in Santa Barbara, we were all shut down. Like I'm sure you were there everywhere. The whole planet, the United States anywhere, was shut down um, at yeah. that time. So we decided, okay, I, it's her 50th birthday. I've got to do something special for her. So we flew to Miami. We went to this beautiful resort. We had this great event. I had five or six friends that were there. So we had a, six people had a party for her. And it was great. And so we were there for like three, four days. We flew back. Back then we were on lockdown here. Everybody had masks on. You couldn't be around people. And we weren't around people in Miami. We really were socially distanced. We had masks on. We were super safe, hand sanitizing like crazy. Our hands were cracking from so much alcohol on our hands. We get back and two days later, we both come down with COVID. And then we gave it to our daughter. So all three of us had COVID. And they both healed up in about a day and a half. But me, I had never been sick with a cold or a flu in over a decade. Living as a nowist creates incredible spiritual immunity and physical immunity. When you're living out of stress, you've heard it said before, a body at ease will not create disease. When you're living in present moment awareness where you're out of stress, your physiology, your cells, your immune system gets really strong. But this COVID, I don't want to get political on it, but I feel like it was a biological weapon set on mankind because my physical, physical immunity had never you know, come across something like this because it was foreign. It couldn't beat it. So I laid in this bed for 10 days with 102 fever, sick mm -hmm. as a dog. I couldn't get out of bed. I was losing, I lost 20 pounds over this time. I just couldn't eat. It was just so sick. And my wife said, oh my gosh, the doctors are concerned about you. If you don't break this fever, you're gonna have to go into the hospital, which was inundated with COVID patients because your cough will become you know, what they call COVID lung, where it gets in your lungs and you have this terrible, you know, immune response and then you can't breathe and it becomes very deadly. So I hadn't told anybody in my family that I was sick because my father at 80 years old had open heart surgery and I wanted everybody in my big Italian family to pray for him. I didn't want him to worry about me. Plus, I didn't want my dad to worry about me. So we I eventually realized it's the 10th day. I don't want to go into the hospital because hospitalization is, is the third leading, leading cause of death. And I didn't want to go there because COVID was just so rampant. But I, so I told all my family members, then they all started praying for me. The next morning, Jimmy, my fever broke. It was like a miracle, the power of prayer, the power of collective consciousness, especially in your family group. So I broke my fever. I quarantined, I got better rapidly. 12 days, I you know, <laughs> finally got out of the bed. 12 days I was at home here, quarantined. And I felt great. So I went out and I love golf. I played golf. I just say, hey, I feel really, I feel kind of like I do in this moment now, fully energized and no hangover conditions at all. Not a sniffle. I was great. So I played right 10 after, holes right after getting better. 
Exactly. It felt great. Wow. So I had all this, this energy. So I put my 25 pound, you know, golf bag on my shoulders and I played 10 holes, played great. Next morning I wake up in the same bed and I'm completely paralyzed. I can't feel my face. I can't feel my hands. Uh, you know, I just feel like the numbness is taking over me. And two days later, my wife and daughter, you know, I, I just thought I could overcome it. It just got worse and worse. My wife and daughter had to carry me down the stairs, put me in the car, take me to the hospital emergency room. And it was the hardest goodbye I ever had in my life because I'm in a wheelchair and it's COVID and you can't have visitors. You can't have any, you know, people checking on you because there's 90 people in our Santa Barbara COVID ward here at the hospital. They gave me incredible care. Cottage Hospital did incredible things for me and healing me, but they didn't know what was wrong with me because they'd never seen this happen for someone that just came out of COVID. It was really strange. So I'm mildly claustrophobic and they said, okay, we're going to put you in an MRI tube. I said, hey, I don't do MRI tubes. You've got to knock me out. So we can't knock you out. So they put me in this. You ever been to MRI tube, Jimmy? I have not, no. Okay. It's literally like a coffin. They stitch, They put you in this tube where you've, you've got no room. Your face is like right here in this metal tube. I was in there for four and a half hours. I, they couldn't knock me out. I didn't open my eyes once. What I did... In that moment, thank God for this teaching that I've been practicing, that the now is teaching all the other teachers that I've studied in my life. I meditated, prayed, chant, sang, anything I could do with my eyes closed to go what I call quantum. I physically put my awareness outside of the planet. I was three miles above the earth. I was in vast, as much space as I could feel because I was so confined. Couldn't allow my attention to focus on this confinement because the fear was overwhelming. I had this red button in my hand, you know, the panic button. If you're ever in an MRI, they have this panic button where they take you out because they're like, hey, people are freaking out. They can't handle this. So thank God for the Nowist meditation, all these other meditations and chants that I did. They pulled me out of the MRI. They still didn't know what was wrong with me. They spinal tapped me and found out that I had this very rare syndrome called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which means your immune system attacks itself. There's this myelin sheath around your nerves and my immune system was eating like little piranhas eating holes out of an extension cord almost. The electricity in my nerve system was going out these holes and I was paralyzed. I couldn't, couldn't walk. And all this function of my body, the motor skills were just gone. And they said, this is so strange because there's 460,000 people in Southern Santa Barbara County and no one had ever had Guillain-Barre syndrome from COVID. And they determined that I got it from COVID. So I spent 21 nights in the hospital. I learned to walk again. And in that process, it taught me so much about myself, what my mission is on this planet, how to make the most terrible things that happen to you in your life, your spiritual practice. And coming out of that, I walked out two, two weeks later. I walked out there with a cane after 21 days. Two weeks later, I shed the cane. And a couple weeks after that, I was golfing again. And I've had no, that was three years ago, no numbness, no hangover conditions. I had what was called long COVID or long hauler syndrome. It was like the worst outcome other than death. And the now is teaching and everything that I went through taught me how to be a better human being, how to overcome trauma in my life. And now would I use this example to serve other people? Wow, that is unbelievable. Um, I'm glad that everything worked out all right. That's I mean, that's a, that's scary to just hear you talk about. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible, 
and actually the saddest part is I guess I wouldn't change it because I learned so much about myself and about how I could take the focus off me, even though I'm paralyzed and put it on other people, the nurses, the doctors, the physical therapists, the speech therapists. I mean, I just thought in this moment, I'm going to make it my spiritual practice. And after the first day, I was scared to death because I was paralyzed. I thought, oh my gosh, I had my first Nowist live event just three months later and I'm paralyzed. Like, how is this going to happen? I spent a whole year producing the first event. My bandmate and I had created a full record around this because the music, the Nowist Experience Live, we've had two events since, since then, is about teaching people how to live in present moment awareness as a Nowist, but with music, and it's visual, it's kinesthetic, socialized learning. It's a, it was an incredible event, but I just kept thinking about how can I serve other people, even in my paralysis, even in my near-death experience. And by taking my attention and putting it on them while they're helping me, I got better faster. It's counterintuitive. We always think, oh my gosh, I'm sick. I'm broken. How poor me, you know, help me, help me. I need, but if you can flip it and think, okay, in my desperation, in my illness, how can I serve other people? You get better faster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so something keeps coming to my mind as you're talking about this stuff. I, um, <clears throat> about a year and a half ago, I had an experience where I, was having some like some pretty bad chest pain. And it turned out um, that it, it was just muscular. But you know, I went to the doctor, had it checked out. Um, it, was, it was pretty scary. And I, they had me seeing a cardiac specialist to do an EKG and all that stuff. And I was talking to the doctor after after everything had happened. And I was telling him like, I've been having some like serious like stress and like anxiety and panic because of this. And he was telling me, you know, that you're fine. And then he basically just told me, you know, um, he's just like, chill out, dude, right? Right, right. Yeah. He was like, chill out. You can't really do that. And I was like, I wish it was that easy. You know, like yeah. I know that in my head, I know that being stressed out and panicked, isn't going to help it, but yeah. like, that's just where I'm at. Right. And one of the things he said is like, and this, this is actually pretty, it was very simple, but kind of profound is like, you have to figure out a way to get out of your head, you know? And at the time, like, I guess I was spending a lot of time in my head. So I, I remembered that like one of the ways that I combat anxiety and stress is by just doing things, you know, cleaning the house, like staying out of my head and, and stuff like that. And as you're talking about this stuff, like I keep thinking about that because a lot of the things you're explaining, it seems like are subtle tricks to get outside of, of yourself or outside of your head or, you know, to be of service to others. So that's, that's super that's cool. That's it. And, it, and it's, there's this thing called the law of attraction. I know you're doing a lot of deep work and self work and you've probably heard of that. There's this universal law. It's a law of attraction. The sky's blue. There's gravity, right? Water's wet. There's these universal laws. And the law of attraction is never broken. So whatever you focus on expands. Wherever you put your attention, that's going to grow. So just make sure you're, when you're aware of these stressors in your life or even when good things are happening in your life, remember, oh, how did I do that? Like, oh my gosh, I'm in this flow state. How did I do that? I mean, success leaves clues. You don't have to like reinvent the wheel. Just pay attention is the key. Awareness is step one to getting back into presence. Yeah, and that's huge because so so many times, you know, I could have could have went hours without even realizing that, you know, I'm off on another planet and my, you know, fear and worry oh, and yeah. stress and all It overcomes stuff. you, doesn't it? You you just yes. you feel like you're on this train, you can't get off. And then it's like once once you're on it for so long, it's that much harder to reverse, it seems. <laughs> you know why that is like I was talking about 96% of everything you do I mean I, I love golf so I can go out there and pick up a seven iron hit a 170 yard shot whatever whatever and I'm thinking about it. I mean you if you're I know you're an athlete too right um 
I, I was when I was younger. Yeah, but there's yeah. things we do, people that cook, you bake a souffle, you know, you tie your shoes, you drive your car. These are subconscious, but also it can work to the negative. If you consistently get yourself in these negative patterns, remember the law of attraction is never broken. So if you subconsciously, oh my gosh, I always focus on the worst thing that's going to happen. You know, I always, this never works out for me. These terrible mind viruses, they're called memes. You know, these, these things, like money doesn't grow on tree, or you got to save for a rainy day. Or, you know, all these things, these that have no truth. There's no truth to that. It's just a pattern response, conditioned response that you instantly go to the worst case scenario. And don't be surprised when that shows up in your life because your subconscious mind can work at the negative as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you, um, a lot of your a lot of the stuff you talk about, um, it has to do with like spirituality. And I just want to, I've heard spirituality defined a bunch of different ways. And in, in your opinion, what do you think is the best way to define it? Spiritual? Well, see, I believe in. I've studied a lot of religions, and you know, I'm I'm Catholic. I mean, I, I practice being Catholic. So if you want to talk about a religious process. And not to get um, too, uh, you know, I don't want to push up against any religions because I've studied Taoism, Zen traditions, Buddhism, Catholicism, Christianity, Judaism, all of them, because I believe they're all speaking to the same all-powerful God source. It doesn't matter what you call that, that being, that entity, because in this, one of the wisest books ever written called the Tao Te Ching, have you ever heard of the, room, the book, the Tao Te Ching? I've heard of it. The opening verses. It's a very short book. You should read it sometimes. It's, it's really called one of the wisest books ever written other than the Bible. It's the second most published book in the, in the world other than the Bible. In the very first opening verse, it says, The Tao that can be named is not the Tao. Meaning, Tao is basically God. So, you can't name it. And the problem is we try to name it and just, Now, this religion's better and this is my God, and my God is separate from you, and you are not part of God because you're just a sinner. And these these man-made constructs that keep pulling people out of their spirit and out of the energy of the source, which is the connection to the greatest, highest entity, energy source that is God. And I believe spirituality is connecting to that consistently as a way of life. The spirit, I mean, Jesus said, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. So the flesh is this physical time-bound world where stress and, you know, moth and rust and dust, it also says, you know, we'll, we'll eat it up. But the spirit is where people need to live. And it seems like religions want to separate people and spirituality just wants to unite them. And that's been my experience. So the Tao Te Ching, which is a wonderful book, speaks about, you know, nature and how nature is in spirit, how God is in spirit and you are in God and God is in you. And uh, another great quote from that book is, you know, you're not doing anything. You're just being done. And it's, and you think about it. I mean, what's growing your hair, Jimmy? What's growing your fingernails? What's growing your awesome beard? You know, are you trying to do that? Are you putting energy into that? No, there's something grand and great and that's overpowering you. And if you can surrender to that energy, just like the Tao Te Ching says, like, be like water. How do you grasp water? And grab? Can you grab it? Can you experience it by just grabbing it? No, you have to be one with it. You have to flow and become one with water to experience water. They call it the watercourse way is a translation of the Tao Te Ching. But wisdom like that, it's spiritual. It's not a religion that is so separating for people. It's uniting when you think of the spirituality of yourself and the spirituality of any good teaching. It always wants to connect you with something greater than you so that you can become one with it. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, 
some of the some of the definitions of I, I, I like that definition of spirituality. Um, some of the definitions I've heard, like one of the ones I liked a lot was, you know, like um, just and I think it goes directly in alignment with what you're saying right here is, is you know, like um, how I connect with myself, how I connect with other people and how I connect with the world around me. That's it. There's the great that's the greatest energy the source the infinite the divine mind I'm, there's this great book called a course in miracles i don't know if you've ever heard of it i feel like i've heard of it but i yeah. have not read it it's it's a phenomenal book it just says you know <laughs> your mission on this world is to think like god thinks you know you should learn to think like god thinks to me that's my mission i, I just want to learn to think like god thinks like the divine mind like how can i continually think like god thinks and you think about it god would never put stress worry fear overwhelm anxiety worrying about outcomes and you know worrying about what other people think of you uh feeling separate from other people wanting to attract more things and care what people you know are going to what kind of opinion they're going to have of you i mean i want to think like god thinks i think that's should be everybody's mission learn to think in the higher ways that we get caught in in this physical time-bound world think infinitely think divinely yeah yeah i think that at least in my experience has been something um that is easier said, said than oh, done you know it's easier uh, said than done because you if you have the habits in place it gets so much easier because it huh. becomes like 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 the the fish in water like you don't even know you're in it because that's your state of all all the time it's just your oxygen is the spirit that's why the 90 10 ratio i spoke about earlier is so important if you condition yourself to live as a nowist and you have habits that, that are congruent with that type of lifestyle, oh my gosh, you like you never feel like you're separate from it. You're always, and when you become separate from it, it feels so uncomfortable and you're just, this is so foreign. I'm going back to my comfort zone, which is living in the spirit, living in God realization, living in divine mind. That's the only way to live when you really break it down. That's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be like the light of the world. It says that in the book, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And he says, I am the light of the world. We're both. We're all part of that light. So how do you connect back to that light? That's the bigger question. How do you get out of the darkness and get into the light? Yeah, yeah. And I know you've talked a lot. You've talked about different ways to do that. Um, if, if, you were to, if you were giving somebody advice, say somebody that is in a similar situation that, that I was talking about earlier, um, you know, someone who'd been, you know, in their head, stressed out, anxious for hours and just did not know how to get out of that, you know, just kind of felt it physiologically, mentally, like it just over overcomes that person. Like, what would you tell them? Like, how do you get out of that? Um, thank you for that question, Jimmy. I got a great story for you. So I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have a 12 week program called becoming your infinite self. It's at billymandarino.com. That's the hub for all of my social media, for all my teaching, for all my YouTube channels. It's all at billymandarino.com. Um, my book is there. You can go to Amazon and purchase it. But I, I did this one-on-one -on -one coaching session about oh, probably six, eight months ago with this uh, pretty stressed out individual. She was um, the victim, I guess you might say at the time, that's, that's how she put it, the victim of circumstance and the world hates me and why does this shit always happen to me? And she lost her job, her boyfriend broke up with her and she lost her apartment all within like a week. And she was, you could say pretty much suicidal. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist, full disclaimer. I, I didn't even go to college. You know, I literally, my degree is on my results in my life and how I've lived in this physical time for almost 55 years on this planet 
that's all I got to offer is my experience. And so my book, The Nowist, is basically a spiritual memoir of how I found the now, the present moment, to be the most powerful part of my existence. And I want to learn how to become better so I can teach other people how to become better. Because we're always on this ascended master training, if you will. And anyway, so this individual was overwhelmed. And, and when I coach and teach, of course, I have practices and precepts and techniques to teach you. But I allow my awareness a lot of times to teach you. Let God come through me so I have the right thing to say. It's just like this podcast. Before we go on air, you know, I, I close my eyes, I meditate, I connect to the divine source and I, God, and I just say thank you for giving me the correct words and the stories and everything I can do to serve people. How many people are going to see this? If it's one, that's enough for me. If I'm just helping somebody. And speaking of one, this one person that I had in this this one-on-one -on -one coaching, I didn't really know because I thought, oh my gosh, he's suicidal. I got to call the hospital. I got to call a crisis 1-800 number because I don't know how to deal with this. But in the moment, I had this kind of download, if you will, this flash of enlightenment, this flash of inspiration. And I said, okay, what I want you to do, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I want you tomorrow when you dry your eyes and you pick yourself up out of the closet in this dark space that you've been in for hours now, just overwhelmed and giving up, I want you to find somebody that cannot repay you or even thank you and find a way to be of service to them. And I said, I want you just before you go to bed to put that intention, that prayer out to the world and just say, okay, I want to be of service to somebody. God, show me somebody that I can serve. And so the next day she wakes up and she's got her dark sunglasses on. Her hair is just in a hat and just, she goes to Trader Joe's. And she's at the checkout line and she's, you know, upset and buying whatever she's buying. Not much, just she's by herself. But she needed some groceries. And she looks over a couple aisles over and there's this mom with a basket full of groceries and like an eight-year-old son. And she gets ready to pay, you know, this bags and bags of groceries and her credit card won't work. And she doesn't have a checkbook. She doesn't have cash. And she starts to cry. And so my client friend notices this and she walks over there, grabs her credit card and sticks it in the machine and, and it goes through. And this lady looks at her and she says, no, 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 you can't do it. And the son is there, you know, and feeling his mom all stressed out. And she says, no, it's, it's my pleasure. Have a good day. And she walks away and then she gets the gift of watching this lady break down and cry. And her son see this random act of kindness that changed the world, that lady's world, and that family's world, for who knows, probably forever. And then the, the checker and the bag person carries out her groceries, puts them in her car, and you see all this love and all this kindness. Just from one random act of kindness where this person, this client of mine, took their attention off themselves, poor me, I'm the victim, life sucks, all these terrible things happen to me, how can I serve? And that one random act of kindness changed this woman's life. And she's now in a relationship, better job than she had before, bigger, more beautiful apartment, way more money than she was paying on her other apartment, but she can afford it now. But random acts of kindness, taking the attention off yourself, putting in on other people. Like that's what I did when I was paralyzed in the hospital for those 21 days. I thought, okay, the first day I was scared, I was traumatized, I thought, what, am I going to walk again? Am I going to be able to hug my daughter, my wife? Am I going to be able to walk my dog? Am I going to play golf again? Am I going to, my seminar, can I go teach? I thought, no, I'm going to use this opportunity to serve other people in my rough situation. 
I'm going to put the attention on them, and then I got better. It works every time, Jimmy. That's awesome. I I love to hear stories like that. I think um, I think a lot of it too, in my experience, has been about um, intent. You know, if I if I'm if I'm helping someone else with the intent of like I genuinely want to help this person make their life better in some way. That's it. It doesn't take a lot. It could be small. I mean, how easy was for that for that girl? How easy she had the money. Just to, I mean, and you cannot even, and there's a study, there's a Harvard study on this, and I love this study, came out years ago. It just says, when you experience a random act of kindness, right? Like if I was to see a homeless person on the street and I give them my leftovers, right? The serotonin level, the serotonin is that positive, right? Hormone that makes you feel good. The serotonin level goes up in me and as this equivalently goes up in the homeless person. But the person walking by in the streets witnessing my random act of kindness the serotonin level goes up in them exactly the same amount from the recipient and the giver. That's how you change the world. Random acts of kindness because everybody gets the benefit. And there's science behind that. There's actually, there's proven science how that helps. So serotonin makes you feel happy, right? So yeah. Feeling good and feeling God, I believe, are the same thing. So let's feel good. Yeah, it's like it's like a ripple effect. Yeah, like just one small act of kindness can just have such it a It seems so impact, insignificant, right? but if we do that as a way of life, just in the law of attraction activates, you'll, you'll never run out of money, love, jobs, places to live, ways to serve. Your life will be never be the same. You got to make it a way of life, though. You, you can't just do it every once in a while when you're down and out. Right, right. Um, and I think uh, the inverse... It, like not to be a Debbie Downer, but the inverse is true too. You know, like if I'm being negative, like that can have the same type of negative ripple effect. Don't be surprised. Like when you right spill toothpaste on your shirt, you run into the garbage can pulling out of the driveway and then you go to work and you know, there's all this work that's stacked up there and the boss is mad at you. I mean, it's, it's the law of attraction. Whatever you focus on expands. Energy flows where your focus goes. I love it. Okay, so to kind of take a turn here, there was some stuff I was reading on, on your website and, and some other places. Um, so one of the questions I want to ask you is, what are some of the key components to having healthy relationships? Mm, that's one of my favorite topics. I recently did a YouTube on that because I find that relationships or everybody's got relationships with your loved ones, with your significant other, with work, you know, coworkers, your boss. Um, there's so many people that connect to other human beings because, you know, we're meant to connect with people. We're not supposed to be alone. We're not supposed to just, you know, live in this island unaffected by other people. We have to create relationships. And, you know, I've interviewed a hundred couples in my book, The Nowist. There's a chapter called The Relationship, Sink or Sail, right? The relationship, we're all in this boat together. So the hundred couples that I interviewed, you know, they all gave me great answers, very similar answers you've heard, you know, don't go to bed angry, have a sense of humor, you know, uh, be kind. But I realized that, you know, this one couple, this four, this couple of married 40 years gave me the best answer. And they, it was really simple, but it hit me like a bucket of cold water. Cause I thought, Oh my God, I've been searching because my wife and I've been married for 28 years. And it's because I'm always working on it. Um, I want to be a world-class husband, a world-class dad, cause I work on it like I work on anything else. And I always interview people, read books. I want to learn how to keep, because 60% divorce rates, that's not going to work. I'm from a divorced family. God bless my family. I love, I got six brothers and sisters, an amazing dad. You know, my mom did the best she could, but I just, I just want to live in this relationship forever. You know, till death do his part. You know, I want to, I want to make good on that. 
So when I did all this deep work on relationships, the simple answer is the one that wins out. And I stick to it to this day and it works every time. It's simple. Don't miss it. Pay attention, everyone. We don't keep score. We don't keep score. So for instance, my wife goes and gets groceries. I don't, when she comes home, expect her to go put the groceries away. I don't expect her to go walk the dog after she's had a long day and went grocery shopping. I put the groceries away. I'll walk the door. I'll find ways to be of service and not keep score. This for that quid pro quo, right? Not keep an abacus of, oh my gosh, she did all this and I did all this. I mean, look at my, I got so many more, you know, positive points against my intention for the relationship and all the things I've done for the relationship. You don't keep score. Always find ways to be of service to the other person. And your relationship will grow because once again, I hearken back to when I was paralyzed, near-death experience, I thought, how can I serve other people? That client, that one-on-one client I had, how can she serve other people instead of herself and her misery? You, you live this as a way of life. You don't keep score. It could be a relationship with your boss. It could be your, your significant other. It could be your kids. Just find ways to serve and not look for credit. Your ego wants credit. Your ego wants to say thank you. But I learned from a wonderful teacher named Dr. Wayne Dyer. Your ego is nothing more than E-G-O, edging God out. Mm. Don't edge God out. Be one with God. Become God in service and your life will change. I love it. Bringing it back to the service of other people. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. That's Uh, why we're here, Jimmy. I mean, to me, our mission is not here to get a lot of money, be super famous, and, you know, go out richest man in the graveyard or richest woman in the graveyard. That's not our mission. Our mission is to be the light for other people and service. Yeah, this is this is good. Great advice, I think. Um, another question that I got from your website. What does your morning routine look like? Okay, it starts right here. In that same bed that I, <laughs> I woke up paralyzed in. I've been doing it for years and years and years. I start the very first thing when I open my eyes, I don't get out of bed. I put my left hand on my heart and I put my right hand over my left hand. And the reason the left hand goes on the bottom because it has this vein, this wedding ring, wedding ring finger. I don't have mine on, but that wedding ring finger has a vein called the venous amoris. And it goes right to your heart. It's the richest blood supply to your heart from your hand. That's why the wedding ring goes on that left finger. So you put that here because your heart of course, your heart is the energy source of your body. I always say that, you know, inspiration is the blood of the soul. Heart is the God of the body. So you want to connect to the heart, the God of your body. Your right hand goes on top and I close my eyes and I just say a prayer of gratitude. I'm thankful for everything in my life. I charge my day. I prime my day with gratitude and I'm just imagining all the people I'm sending love to. I'm so grateful for everything in my life and I send this light out to the world. Then I wake up, then I go to, we live close to the ocean here in Santa Barbara near the beach. So I go to the slider and I look out at the ocean and I do the Nowest meditation, which takes one minute and to learn it, it's not something I can just teach you here. It's involved, but it only takes one minute when you learn it. You can go to billymandarino.com, go to Billy Mandarino the Nowest, which is my YouTube channel. I have all kinds of free teachings on that. So I do the Nowest meditation. Then of course I drink a huge glass of water And then I do sets of push-ups, sets of sit-ups. I do a little yoga stretching. Because think about it. I pride myself in gratitude. I connected to my spirit and source. And then I got my physiology moving. 
right? You have to move this physiology, the, your lymphatic system. It has to move. It has to energize. Drink a ton of water. And then from there, boom, I start my day. And priming that way, Jimmy, imagine what happens as your physiology, the, the cells in your system, it starts to anticipate waking up in the morning in a good mood. It starts to anticipate feeling good. You're going to give it positive hormones, positive energy, positive thoughts. Because the mind-body connection is a real thing. And then subconsciously, your whole day will start to unfold in better and better ways. Because you will not stop. Most people start the day, oh, grab their phone, right? Check their email, check their Instagram, check their texts. You know, then you, you drag yourself out of bed, brush your teeth, go pee, whatever, get coffee, right? And then read the paper, put on the crappy news over here and start your day with all the death and the killing and the natural disasters. You cannot start your day that way. And then not, don't be surprised when you feel sick, you feel tired, you want to, you know, go home at noon because you think you're getting a cold. And, you know, if you, if you prime your way, your day that way, don't be surprised when you, you have illness and not the best things happen into your life because you're priming yourself in stress, not in presence. Yeah, so do you ever drink caffeine? Yeah, I have once in a while. I love chai latte. But it's not like a... a no, I don't wake up and have coffee. No, some people do. Hey, God bless you, man. That's cool. <laughs> coffee in my family... I'm I was from waiting Spitz for you to say, like, then I go get my coffee. No, no, no. The coffee in my family is like a religion. I just never went to that church. You know, I mean, it was, and I think it's beautiful. I'll have a cup of coffee with my family because I'm a ceremonial thing. Because God bless my Nana. I mean, she got everybody in connected to the kitchen table and the coffee and the fried egg sandwich. And I love all that. But for me personally, I just never got it. Most of my brothers and sisters and friends do. And nothing against that. That's no problem. I don't think it's the enemy. I don't think caffeine's the enemy. Of course, anything over the top and not in moderation can, can bring you down. But I love a chai latte every once in a while at Starbucks. Um, but you, you got to have a positive ritual. And the thing is, you've got to repeat it consistently. But it has to have your, your spirit connected, your breath and physiology connected. And you have to have you know your energy connected to your mind. One of the greatest gifts we've ever been given is the power of our wonderful human imagination. Are you imagining your day going well? I'm putting this great intention out to the world. I'm imagining everything flowing in perfect harmony. You have to intend your day. You can't just show up and hope that everything through happenstance just works out, especially when you prime your way the way I was talking about earlier into the negative. You've got to connect to what you really, your intention, the power of your intention, which is a wonderful book. I highly recommend to everybody listening and, and, and viewing this by Dr. Wayne Dyer, The Power of Intention. It's kind of the seminal work on using your intention to change your life. One of his greatest books out of the 40 books he wrote, one of his best. Cool. I'm writing all these books. The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Down. Read yeah, that yeah. book. Listen to it on Audible. It's on Audible. Yeah, we'll, we'll put all this stuff in the notes. Um, so, moving into your, your day a little bit, you mentioned doing the sit-ups and push-ups as far as physical fitness goes. Like, how do you think about, is there any other things you do for physical fitness or how do you think about like nutrition as well? Yeah, no, water is key. 70% of your body is water. The earth is 70% water. There's a little clue there, right? Water is source. Water is power. So you must hydrate your body efficiently and sufficiently to connect your cells so your cells can grow because we need that water, right? Um, you know, I eat 
I don't eat incredibly healthy. I mean, I kind of like some junk food now and then, and um, but I play a lot of golf. And once again, I carry that 25-pound bag on my shoulders once, twice a week, and I walk six miles with it. So I don't hit the gym. I do the calisthenics and the stretching and the push-ups and sit-ups. Um, it keeps your muscles toned and energizes your system, and it starts your lymphatic system, you know, which needs that motion, needs musculature movement to move the limp, and the limp helps the, you know, take toxins out of your system. So I, I'm a big believe, believe, believer in deep diaphragmatic breathing and, of course, moving your body so you can move the lymph system and get the energy of your system rolling, but using the power of your intention. I mean, physicality is important. You can't just be static and expect to get better. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, I know there's these yogis that stay up in a cave for months and months and months and they meditate and that's phenomenal. But we're living in the regular world here. We're in suburbia. We're in, you know, physical time and you have to control your hours and your minutes of your day in such a way that you're using positive energy to activate your day. Not that you have to be in control, meaning, you know, stressed out and overwhelmed and having to do this thing. I got to do my meditation, Billy. I got, you know, you can't live it. You have to make it a way of life. I mean, it's not so much that it's a religion, once again, to be a Taoist is a practice, it's a way of life. But everything flows into your life when you can get in present moment awareness. That's the beautiful part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So there was something else that I saw on your website that made me very curious, I wanted to hear you elaborate on, is how you don't believe in setting goals. Oh yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of heat for that one. I get a lot of heat for that one because I'll go in front of a middle school and you know I have this hour long presentation and I always see the parents that are watching or the parent, the teachers like, hey kids, don't set goals, right? And then of course I have to elaborate on it, I can't, but I say that because I need people to feel like the punch that that is. Because goal setting is so much in the world. Goal setting is about point A to point B. It's like, okay, I used to have my bathroom mirror goals, Jimmy, where I'd put them on my bathroom mirror. I learned it from this, um, you know, from this great teacher. Um, he's escaping me right now. We talked about reverse engineering your goals, right? Set a goal. Back then, all I wanted to get was a record deal. I wanted a record deal. I wanted to be a musician and, and make this my way of life and get signed so I could make enough money to support my family and, you know, become wealthy and famous. And so, okay, get a record deal. And then I would reverse engineer. It may seem to have to like create a CD. I'd have to do shows. I'd have to call radio stations. This is back in the day when there wasn't the internet and the social media. I'd have to physically go out there and put flyers up and promote the show. And then, then I would have to, you know, go to A&R people at record companies. I would just reverse engineer my goal. And I would do that. I had like seven to 10 goals I would set every year on my bathroom mirror. So every morning I wake up and I look at that while I'm brushing my teeth, I'd open them up, I'd read the goals and I would kind of feel stressed out. You know, I kind of feel like, oh man, I, you know, I, I just I haven't felt inspired to write any music. You know, I, I don't even have a show booked right now where we're, Kirk, we're working on, you know, creating a show with my bandmates, but you know, I just, I would get stressed out. So talk about starting your day in kind of a negative way. I mean, some would work out, but it just felt like a negative thing to, to prime my day with. Instead of priming it in presence and positivity and energy, I would kind of look at it and think, man, I haven't done that today. So that it wasn't until I read this incredible book by Neville Goddard. He has this book called The Power of Awareness. He's written quite a few books, but they're all these small little books. But The Power of Awareness, The Power of Your Imagination, he has these incredible concepts. And he says, you know, you need to think from the end instead of about the end. And that's totally different. That's not really goal setting. Goal setting is about the end. 
you know, when I get that record deal, I'm going to be happy. I'll be successful. I'll ring the bell and then on to the next, right? I'm a, I'm a realtor and a property manager now. I was like, man, I'm going to sell 20 houses this year. You know, and if I do that, great. But the, the A to B is stressful because we're in physical time. And when you do that, it becomes like a reverse engineering process or a step-by-step -step process. It doesn't inspire me. It feels like ambition. It feels like, ugh, it's like energy that's, that's not connected and congruent with my energy field as an analyst. So when I learn to think from the end instead of about the end, two significantly different things. About the end is point A to point B. I want to get the record deal. I got the record deal. I'm done. From the end is before I wake up every morning, before I get out, you know, get to bed every night, I'll use my imagination, my subconscious thinking, my subjective attention. And I would imagine that, uh, for instance, I want to sell a house. And I would see, I just got this listing. I would see this family. It's Christmas time. I'd see the tree. I would smell the, the, the Christmas smells of pine and eggnog and what it would taste like to eat homemade bread or chocolates and i would see the family around the christmas tree and their love and i would imagine i'm walking over there christmas morning giving them a gift to congratulate them on this new home that i just listed but i would do it every night and every morning before i opened my eyes using my imagination and then i'm priming myself so when i wake up i can't believe the house isn't sold that's thinking from the end about the end, once again, it's a goal. I got to do open houses. I got to send flyers out. I got to email people. From the end is every morning and every night, I'm priming my subconscious mind. So what happens, Jimmy, is the universe will conspire to line up with the power of your intention and your imagination. It's called synchronicities. Synchronicities will show up in your life. You think that these random happenstances, these random occurrences, but the truth is you are priming yourself because you are thinking from the end. So when I talk to these schools, and these kids, these 12, 13 year old kids, I'd say, hey kids, don't set goals. I would explain to them just like I did to you, thinking from the end, not about the end, it means you don't have a goal. The now and goal setting, they don't line up. The present moment and goal setting. Goal setting is out there, it's tunis. And I always answer this question to people that are, that are yoked and can understand it. How could the God of oneness ever recognize tunis? The God of oneness would not be one if the God of oneness recognized two. It's duality, it's separation. You have to live, once again, when you're in the now, you have won. You've won your presence back. You have to think from the end instead of about the end. Does it, is your smoke coming out of your ears? Do you understand that concept? Yes, I do. I get what you're saying. And so, yeah, so what happens is these teachers go, oh my gosh, you can't tell a 12-year-old they can't set goals. You can't tell a 16-year-old wanting to go to college you can't set goals. I said, yeah, yeah, you can. Because trust me, they'll have less stress, have more success if you really it's all about getting the goal if you can athletes have been doing this for years decades imagination visualization right pitchers imagining the glove right pro bowlers you know the, all those pro bowlers use a imagination for their success if the problem is we've got so caught up in goal setting because the world of social media and infobesity i call it, we're obese with information that we're so fearful of missing out that we have to set goals because we compare ourselves to other people. The thing, if you really want to be successful in your life, learn to think from the end instead of about the end and be in that success every day, throughout the day. Morning and night for sure is a habit, is a ritual. But imagine your success. Feel what it feels like with all five of your senses to have it now, not in the future. And then watch how the universe will conspire to line up with circumstances to fulfill that intention.
Yeah, so it's it's kind of like it's re- it's not saying you said you got a lot of a heat for this one, it's, but it's not saying like that it's not important to to do things in life, but it's kind of reframing the way you think about about getting to the goal. Once again, it's Dr. Wayne Dyer's The Power of Intention. That book talks all about intention. Change your vernacular. It's not goal setting. It's you're you're intending. You have an intention. Yeah, I mean, you might say it's semantics like goal, intention, same thing. Not really the same thing. Goal is really focused on A to B. Think about it. What's your goal this year? How much money do you want to make? Right? Are you going to get an A in this class? Is your goal to get an A in this class? I mean, think about the energy behind that word. I intend to manifest this in my this is this I see this is already done. It's on its way. Like when people like when I was sick, I didn't think, God, I hope I get healthy. Hope I can walk again. God, I hope I can go to my seminar in three months. Hope I can hug my wife and daughter again. Hope I can walk my dog. No, it was done. I had imagined myself in that bed, fully paralyzed, couldn't move, couldn't even pick my hand up. But I saw myself on that stage teaching three months later. I saw myself at Pebble Beach playing golf, my favorite golf course in the world. I did that with all five of my senses. There's nothing, there's no goal in that because it was already done in the present moment. I was thinking from the end instead of about the end. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. um, Some would say that by um, that by trying to practice the the law of attraction or whatever, um, it it might be like shortcutting some of the hard work. But that's not how I'm, I'm thinking of it. Like the way I'm hearing you talk about it is is that by focusing on what you need to do, um, it, it helps you, it puts you in the position where you can live in the moment and easily do that work without the accompanying stress and anxiety that comes along with it. Does that sound right? That, that's exactly right. Oprah Winfrey, before she sets any important meeting, she has a room of people, she always starts every meeting the same. What is our intention here? Right? She lives here in, in Montecito where I live in this good billionaire, you know, a lot of good billionaires live here. But Oprah being... Oprah, the Oprah effect, you know, it's been coined how powerful she is, but she sets her important meetings with intention. She doesn't say, what's our goal today? What's our goal in this meeting? You know, arguably the, one of the most successful human beings to ever walk the planet is Oprah Winfrey. She intends her day. She, she knows the power of her intention and she sets intentions and look how that's worked out for her. And she, she's not a goal setter. She's not, she'll tell you, she didn't set goals. She's about how can she impact people? How can she send her love and her influence out to the world to make a positive impact on people. You know, goal setting is even saying the word, like I have an intention to change the world. My goal is to change the world. Like, I don't know, it just has a different energy behind it. It does. And, and I'm, I'm picking up on that as we're talking. It, it is. It, um, at first it seems like a subtle difference, but it, it, the more I think about it, the more I hear you talk about it, like it, uh, like intending is different than this is my goal. Yeah. My goal is to get a Lamborghini. Oh, good. Then I'll be super rich and I can go fast and have a half million. You know, like, no, my intention is to serve people, you know, uh, with all of my abundance. Right. I mean, my, my intention is to take my wealth and to serve people so they can in turn serve other people. I mean, does that feel better than I'm going to be the richest man in the graveyard? And there you go. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. So you mentioned your 12 week coaching course. I'm curious, like in your experience, what makes a good, um, uh, I guess you call it uh, mentee, you know, like you got the mentor, you're the mentor, they're the mentee. Like what makes a good person to work with for you? 
Well, we have, if you go to billymandarino.com again, the site, there is, you click on the coaching tab and there's an application people can fill out. So we, you have to fill out the application before you're accepted in the program. Um, so yeah, we go through a, a series of questions that you have to answer to, to see if it's a fit. I mean, it's not for everybody. I mean, you have to have the intention to really want to get out of stress or really want to change your life. You know, it's, it's, it's not an inexpensive program because you get me all in. Um, because I'm committed to working with people that want to become Nowist. And once again, it's not a religion. People that want to become uh, living in the present moment as a way of life, want to become something better than they are, or to outrun their past, not live for your parents or for your, the, the passed along generational you know, success that people say, you know, I want to be better than my dad or my mom, or I want to have enough money to buy my mom and dad a house. It's like, you know, I want to make sure people are coming it into the program for the right reason. So they can get better, so that they can help other people. It's literally about paying it forward to me in this mission. Yeah, I like that. And what what comes to mind for me too is is um, the growth versus the fixed mindset. You know, it, it seems like people that have the growth mindset and want to change, like you're saying, and then want to also use that to help other people, tend to. That's the mentee that I'm looking for. That's somebody who would would love this program, would benefit from this program, and then it's about how can they serve other people once they've. You know, I'm not telling you that in 12 weeks you become a Nowist. I mean, it's a it's a lifelong process, practice. But this, I get you on the right course. I teach you the concepts and the ways of living and the habits and the patterns and the rituals that will set you up for life in the sense that you'll you you won't go back to your old ways. We will scratch the record so it won't play again. It's the same. That's awesome. Um, so a few more questions for you here. Um, one question I'm probably going to ask everybody that I talk to is uh, you've, you've talked about a lot of books today, but what is your favorite book and why is it your favorite? Oh, thank you for that question. The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Of course, I love the Bible. I can't really, the Bible would be my favorite book. If I had to say, what's my favorite book of all time? The Bible. But Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist, which is a book that it's only like 160 pages long. I would say the Bible or Tao Te Ching because those are incredible life-changing books, but those are deep studies that take years to kind of, you know, dive into. The great thing about The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho is that it is a story of somebody looking deep within themselves and then going into the world and trying to find it in the world and realizing that it was an outward journey, they thought. I mean, they were, oh, I got to go out and make it happen like we all do. The reality is it's a step in the direction of you. This book is an analogy. It's a parable. It's a brilliant story. It's the fifth most published book in the history of the world. It's been translated into 69 languages. And I highly recommend everybody viewing, listening to this, go get The Alchemist. You can get it on Audible. Short read, 150 pages. But if you haven't read The Alchemist, it'll, it'll change your life because it'll open you up to um, what's possible and, and how you should be spending your days in, in this beautiful story written by Paulo Coelho. Yeah, I've heard about this book so many times and tried to. You haven't read it yet. To read it and just haven't. haven't oh my gosh! Yeah. No. Well, if you, if you, I know. I think eighty percent of people now are right. It's not like a, a a very big book. No, and it, literally, go get the Audible. Like Jeremy Irons, who's got this cool, incredible voice, famous actor Jeremy Irons reads the Audible version. Just go to Audible and pick it up. And when you're working out, driving, and in, in the office, just put it in and listen to it. It's amazing. Like I've read it. I don't know, 10, 15 times, maybe. It's just phenomenal. But in my book, it, it harkens to The Alchemist. My book opens up talking about The Alchemist. Chapter one is about The Alchemist. So, 
and how that book is so transformational. Obviously, it's the fifth most published book in the world. It's got to have some impact on the planet. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I'm glad for that reminder. Um, so before we pressed record earlier, I, I was talking to you a little bit about how, you know, um, like doing this podcast is something that I've been just thrilled about. I've, I've been really excited about. I woke up this morning just like ready to go. Um, and my question to you is, how do you find your purpose in life or how do you find what it is that you love? I mean, we've talked a lot today about being of service to others. Um, but you could do that in a lot of different ways and some ways are going to be different for, for other people. Like what would be your advice to somebody to find their purpose, to find their purpose or what it is that they love doing? Yeah. I have so many people ask me that question. That's probably the, I would say the top question I get when I coach people one-on-one is like, they just want to, they want to find their mission, their purpose, what their desire is to live in this embodiment and this this moment, this brief moment, they call it, someone's called it the parentheses in eternity. I forget who said that, but I like that as a example of human beings living in this world. And it sounds corny. You've heard it many times, but we're human beings, not human doings. And usually that's the first takeaway they need to have. Well, you're in the seeking mode. You're always trying in this outward journey, kind of like the alchemist. You're in this outward journey, trying to make it in the world. But the reality is you need to, to look back into yourself, reflect into your heart center, into your imagination, into your gut, which I believe is, you know, when you're on your knees praying to God, praying to the oneness source for a healing, for direction, for relationship repair, for money, for healing your aunt that's sick. Or, I mean, that's an outward prayer. The prayers are answered when you trust your intuition and your gut for the next thing, or the answer will just come to you. Or divine mind is always your, I don't believe we're separate from God. We are one with God. So to live in that oneness, but to allow your intuition, your gut, and your wonderful human imagination to give you flashes of images and pictures and inspiration, not motivation. You can't be motivated to like, you know, do something because motivation is fleeting. It'll, it'll burn out. It'll, you'll eventually, yeah, you might be able to do it, but then you have to take coffee and drugs and cocaine and whatever you need to do to kind of keep doing. People are so motivated to make it. But that's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for burnout. The, the inspiration is within you. Your purpose is within you. You just have to get all the layers away, all the, the fog and the clouds. You need to clear it. But your present moment awareness is how you clear that fog. Then when you're in this moment and you get clear and you're breathing and you're in this deep meditative state, your purpose comes to you. Your inspiration comes to you. It harkens back to what you were meant to do in this body, in this brief and parentheses and attorneys, this moment you're here on this planet, you'll find it. But you can't push and try to get it. You can't like do things to find it. You have to allow yourself to be a human being. You have to be in stillness. Uh, I think it was uh, Herman Melville. It said, God's one and only voice is silence. So when you can get quiet, very peaceful, still, eyes closed, in a very comfortable position, Breathing deep into your belly, you know, into your diaphragm, just releasing all the tension and the gravity of the world, your purpose comes to you. It comes in images, it comes in ideas. It's easier than you think, but we just get so caught up in what I call infobesity. We're obese with information, which adds so much stress and overwhelm and anxiety and outcome and right goal setting that when you are in that world, it's hard to find your purpose. But it's easier than you think. The problem is it's just... It's so easy that it's difficult, if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense, yeah. 
Um, so last question here. Uh, what do you, what is, what's next for you in life? You know, um, you've talked about, you know, you, you wrote a book a few years ago. Um, you know, we're just getting out, out on the other side of the, the three year COVID period you talked about, like, do you, do you have it? I keep wanting to say goals, but you know, do, do you have <laughs> any big intentions coming up? You know? So, yes, I do uh, actually. Yeah. Okay. I do. Well, so we've put you. two live seminars on. Um, we did one this last year in May. Um, they're a year long. I mean, my band, we, stood, we spent a year in the studio creating original music for this event. We've done it twice, the same um, event. We've, it's gotten better every year. Last year, we streamed it all over the world. So if you go to billymandarino.com and that top banner right there, for $22, you can click it and you can see 20 hours of teaching my band performing, socialized learning. Um, for 22 bucks, you get 20 hours and $125,000 production that we put together, or my, me and my team, to serve people in the world to learn how to become Nowis. And it's done through music, it's done through socialized learning, it's done through breathwork, meditation. It just, it's just the connection that we created was incredible. And you get the benefit of that. If you just go to billymadrio.com and click on that top tab, and you can, you can see the download stream, the whole thing. It's powerful. But for me, you know, we have other events coming up. We haven't planned them yet, but I know another one is coming up. I just, I'm, once again, I'm allowing the power of my intention to show me when it unfolds. But right now, what I'm really inspired about, the next thing for me is working on a screenplay, the movie version of The Nowist. I'm working with an incredible writer, a good friend of mine. He's written 20 books. He's, he's got an incredible gift for the word. His name is Michael Bowker. And he is a brilliant author, writer, coach. He's incredible. So he and I have been working together for the last year, working on the screenplay for the movie version of The Nowist. And uh, that's kind of what's got me super fired up. And I'm inspired to just see who's going to come, how we're going to finish it. And then what movie companies are going to, you know, I, talking about not goal setting, but intending. Like what movie houses are going to Paramount, Warner Brothers, who's going to Netflix, Yahoo, who's going to come get the gift of this screenplay and help us put it out into the world. Because, you know, 10% of people read books, but the other 90% watches movies. So if you really want to make an impact in the world, you got to go to the movies. You got to go to the big screen. So that's, I guess, the next exciting, inspiring thing I got going on right now is, is definitely that. Awesome. Awesome. That That is exciting. Um, I did not, I've never thought of it in that way. Like 90% of people watch movies, 10% read books. It's, so yeah. it's actually, it's not mine. That's the fact actually. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 10% I mean, of people buy the books. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw that the, the real popular, uh, Mark Manson book, the subtle art of not giving a fuck is, is being released in a movie. And I thought that was really cool. Oh my, so, Hey, do you know who Wim Hof is, Jimmy? Yeah. Oh my God. I love Wim. I teach about him in my live events about, you know, doing cold therapy. One of the reasons I, you know, for 10 years didn't get sick or have any issues uh, physically, you know, colds, flus, whatever, because I, I do deep, you know, that's another thing I didn't talk about. I mean, I take cold showers, you know, I do breath work. He, Wim Hof is amazing. So if you don't know who Wim Hof is, they call him the Iceman. But speaking of books becoming into a movie, I don't think he's written a book, but his method is currently being shot by Jay, by uh, Ray, Ray Fiennes, I think is playing Wim Hof. They're making this huge feature movie about Wim Hof's life because Wim Hof has changed in the world with his uh, cold therapy and his breath work and how he's helping people become, you know, physically fit and just change their life. And so that's exciting. So that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, quick little story about that. I, um, 
on, on New Year's Eve, I was with some friends and I've, I've done, you know, I've done like the cold showers and stuff. And, yeah. um, but you know, they were like, we're going to do a cold plunge in the pool. And it just so happened that like the week before this here in Tennessee, it, it got down to in like the negatives. Ooh. And, um, so that pool, you know, it, it was <laughs> almost cold, freezing, right? 35, 36. Oh, it had to be close to it. But anyways, um, like, you know, I, I was like, Oh, I've done a cold shower, you know, it won't be too bad. So, I go up and I watch the first guy jump in and, you know, he survived. So I was like, all right. And I go up there, hop on the diving board, do a backflip right into the deep end. And as soon as my feet hit the bottom, I was like, this isn't good. Yeah. You, know, like, you got hypothermia. I'm frozen. Yeah. I pulled my shoulder, like trying to get to the edge of the pool so fast. Like I think you're just like cramped. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I was just like my uh, an animal took over inside of me. It was like you had like slow motion, right? Like your muscles wouldn't fire as fast. Oh yeah, they went fire, but I was trying as hard as I could to get yeah. out of that pool as quick as possible. But never in my life could I have imagined that that water would have been that cold. Um, Isn't so that crazy? It, but you it, know, what's so great about that is what Wim Hof teaches is that we, we live in such comfort. We're such creatures of comfort. We want comfort, comfortable temperatures. And But the another quote from my book is, the unknown is where the growth is. You have to go in the unknown to grow. And so Wim is all about that. Get uncomfortable, you know? Yes, he he's just such he's such a funny guy. He's so dynamic and speaking. That's why, of course, they're making a movie about his life because this guy is incredible. But check out Wim Hof. I mean, you got to get to that unknown, and that's where you can you can change your life. Yeah, I saw a clip of him not too long ago where he was talking about a time where he was you know swimming under thick ice and his eyeballs froze and he couldn't get back to the the hole in the ice to get back out. And he he you know he said he felt himself just kind of like dying. And kind of just, he, he talks about how he just kind of, you know, accepted it. And it was like the most peace he'd ever experienced in his life. And then they came and they were pulling him out. But could you believe that? Who the hell does that? Like literally not knowing that your eyebrows, of course, are going to freeze. Want to put some goggles on or something. But that's the kind of guy he is. He's just like off the cuff. And that's why he's just so entertaining and ex just incredible. So check out Wim Hof, man. If you get nothing from this podcast, <laughs> yeah. go check out Wim Hof, the Iceman on YouTube you'll be blown away by what he does in his life to serve other people. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to tell everybody where to find you? You've mentioned oh, yeah. your website and all your Billy Mandarino.com is the hub. It's just simple. My last name is spelled M-A-N-D-A-R-I-N-O, BillyMandarino.com. It links out to all of our social media. Um, there's, of course, you want to be coached. There's an application. There's online courses you can go to amazon and pick up my book the audible version but here's a freebie for your for your viewers and listeners if you go to billymadrino.com click on my podcast the first one through 18 episodes are my book i read the book to you so if you're in your car you can buy the audible version if you like but you can always just click on any episode and get coaching instantly for free awesome I appreciate you so much coming out. I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, you too, Jimmy. Man, peace to you, brother. It's been my honor to be on your, your podcast. I'm excited for you. I know it's going to help a lot of people, and that's what it's about. Yeah, thanks so much.